You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, founder of BreaktownBuckets.com and media member Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. So that's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. On today's show, we're going to dive into last night's Bulls game and talk all about the second preseason game for the Thunder. We're going to dive into Shea, Al Horford returns, and, and he makes his Thunder debut, and we're also going to talk about that really, really bad second half. And so the game overview is simple. The Thunder did not have uh, George Hill. They did not have Mike Muscala. They did not have Darius Miller, Ty Jerome, or Josh Hall. Uh, Muscala and Hill were recently added to that inactive list uh, You know, in the pregame availability with Mark yesterday, he mentioned that Hill and Muscala would be out. He did mention that it's not injury related; that this was just a decision that the team made by themselves, you know, load management, whatever you'd like to call it. But he just said it was a team decision to not play George Hill and Mike Muscala. Obviously, those two guys do not need to prove anything. They do not need to to be playing in these preseason games. I, I, I don't see a reason why. Those two needed to play. Good to see that they got some rest. Uh, still waiting to see Josh Hall and Ty Jerome. Uh, those are two guys who are going to be on this team. I mean, Ty Jerome comes over from that Chris Paul trade, and Josh Hall uh, has one of the two-way spots. He's a very uh, interesting two-way contract, You know, a very interesting prospect. So I'm, I'm interested to see those guys. Hopefully they can play Friday. We'll see what happens there. The Thunder starters were Shea, Dort, Justin Jackson, Darius Baisley, Al Horford. Uh, again, there's no... George Hill, though, so so we're still not sure how Mark is going to wiggle with the starting lineup, but we'll talk about Justin Jackson coming up. But before the game, Billy Donovan did confirm what kind of beers he had, and it was Coors beers with Sam Presti. Couldn't remember if it was Coors or Coors Light, but it was Coors beer that he had with Sam Presti during that famous last meeting where they had cheap beers and Diet Coke. Shout out Brady Trantham for asking that question. Uh, and then also a, a, another part of his press conference that got a lot of headlines was a question asked by Barry Trammell, uh, who asked him about, you know, how certain were you that this Thunder rebuild was coming whenever you took the, the Bulls job? And Donovan said that he, he was not certain at all. He had no real timeline whenever he left for when the Thunder would, you know, trade away Adams and Paul and and not bring back Gallinari and, 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 you know, do the whole rebuild avenue and go the rebuild route. He didn't know that they were going to do that immediately. He mentioned that, you know, it was something that, that, that he knew was going to happen eventually. He knew it was coming, whether that was this year, next year, uh, uh, two years from now. Whenever it was, he knew eventually this team had to rebuild, but he didn't know it would be literally this offseason. Uh, so that was interesting. Uh, you, you can take that for what it's worth. Personally, I think that Everyone kind of knew the rebuild was coming this offseason, no matter what. But Donovan says that it was not a sure thing whenever he left. So maybe it wasn't. And maybe Sam Presti just got some of the best offers he thought he could uh, for Chris Paul. And again, everyone knew that they weren't going to re-sign Gallinari. But still, uh, maybe he got the best offer he thought he could for Adams. And I think he did. I think that that Adams trade was the absolute best trade you could have gotten 
for Steven Adams. And in fact, I think it's better than what I would have predicted for Adams. Uh, just, just, I think that Sam Presti pulled off a, a, a great haul for Steven Adams. And then if you don't follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles, you don't know this, but, but I was at the game on, on Wednesday and I do want to take a quick moment right here to just thank everyone who's listened to the show since May, whenever I've taken over the, the growth from this show has been awesome. We've always been trending upwards every single month. We've been breaking records on this show and, and your support really helped uh, help make that happen and, and, and make it happen where I can be in these press conferences and I can go to games and things like that. Also, of course, thanking David Locke, Nick Engstead, just, just thanking a lot of people who have put me in this position. It, it was really surreal uh, to go to Chesapeake yesterday, not, not just because there was no fans there and that I could walk out of Chesapeake Energy Arena without a headache yesterday, but because just I've always wanted to be a media member and, and now – Having that title is really is really surreal and really awesome. But I, I also want to thank the Thunder PR staff because my my day job is working in sports information at a Division two college, and and I understand how difficult it is to pull off what they did. I mean, they made that the safest environment possible, the easiest environment possible. I mean, you literally would park and get seated in like two seconds. It felt like it was so. It was so free-flowing and so easy to navigate that it really created a very safe environment in this COVID landscape. I, I never feared anything. I was never in a dangerous uh, place up there. It, it was very good. We all wore our masks the whole time. It, it was amazing what Thunder PR was able to was able to pull off. Uh, you know, this last game, this first ever game, really, uh, even during their trial period, there was no hiccups. There was no nothing. It was really awesome. I mean, that was their first game since since March. That was their first game implementing all these protocols. And for it to go that smoothly, as Mark talks about with, with actual basketball, that was a great starting point. I mean, that's a great starting point for it to go that smoothly. And so I can get better from there. So they did an amazing job. The Thunder PR team did. And I was thoroughly impressed with how smooth everything went. But it was fun to watch the game in person. It was a little bit weird, obviously, because like I said, you walk out of Chesapeake Energy Arena without a headache, which is something I don't think anyone has ever said before. That place being empty was just so strange to me. Just having gone there since I was a little kid and and just seeing an empty gym was weird. And Isaiah Roby called it really awkward. That's a very good word to use for it. But again, just thank everyone who has, who has put me in this position that I am in today. Let's get into the game. So the first quarter is really when you saw this actual team, right? And in the first quarter, we even heard whispers on Twitter, I mean, from Thunder fans and even from from respected media members. I, I, like, I personally love the work that Matt Moore does. I mean, he's great on the Action Network. He's also great on Lockdown Nuggets, but, but still, I, I love the work that he does. And even he was saying that, you know, maybe Shea's too good for this rebuild. He's, maybe he's going to be too good for the Thunder in the sense of he's going to hurt their rebuild. And in that first quarter, it was a really back-and-forth game, and they had so many bright moments. And again, you heard the whispers of too good to tank that we heard on Saturday. I don't think that this team is too good to tank. And I'm not saying that because they got blown out in the second half. And, and I don't even care about the second half. That has no bearing on this. But I think that we saw yesterday what I said we were going to see. We saw a competitive team that played a back-and-forth game. Because in the first half, that's what they did. In the first quarter, second quarter, they played a back-and-forth game, very competitive basketball. They did not look like a trash team. They were they were a fun team to watch in that first half. 
And if Shea and Horford and Baisley and, and Dort play in the second half, you know, maybe it's a, you know, I think it's a much closer game than it ended up being. But I, I don't think that every time this team has a good little run, we have to act like they're too good to tank. We should just evaluate this team as it comes, and we can make our preseason predictions, but then once the season actually starts, we can just evaluate the team that they show us on the floor. Uh, but I think that this team is right where it's supposed to be. I mean, this is a fun, competitive team that wants the lottery balls to bounce their way. This will not be the process Sixers that is just such immense slop that you can't even enjoy basketball. This is going to be a, a good little team because the second half, whenever you did see – some bad basketball, those guys are not going to play those kind of minutes ever again. I mean, besides Tail Maldon and, and Pokashevsky, uh, the, the other guys are not going to play just a bulk of your minutes, right? I mean, Moses Brown got almost double-digit minutes. Kendrick Williams played 14. Frank Jackson played 20, and he was very, very good. We'll talk about Frank Jackson in a little bit. But Isaiah Roby is not going to play 23 minutes a night. You know, he might not even be on the team. So, we still don't know about this team. That first quarter shouldn't have changed your opinion on this team, and that second half shouldn't have changed your opinion on this team. We still don't know anything different than what we knew a week ago or what we knew yesterday morning. This is gonna, I think still it's going to be a fun little team that, that still loses some games, but hey, it's still going to be entertaining to watch. Now, I, I want to talk about individual players because you know Shea was awesome, Al Horford was awesome, Darius Baisley was awesome. So many guys in that first half really stand out. And again, the second half, even Frank Jackson played incredibly well. I want to talk about individual players because not only is that what matters in the preseason, I think that that's what's going to matter the most in the regular season. It's just forgetting the scoreboard and just looking at individual performances and how individual players are growing and developing under the Thunder coaching staff. I also want to tell you about our good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, get 20% off your next order. They have six brand new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp. They're soft and easy to chew with 100% real chocolate on the outside. You're going to want to get your hands on Built Bars today, trust me. They're great for pre-workout. They're great for post-workout. They're even great as a meal replacement because I find them just that filling. You can also grab them as a very, very easy snack. I mean, just whenever you're getting in that mojo, you're getting in your rhythm of working from home and, and you're really working on, on whatever work you have to do, to be able to just to get up, go grab a protein bar real quick and come back, it's so easy to, to, to manage it that way. And these are very healthy snacks. It's great for... Uh, the health-conscious person to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Try them today. My personal favorite has to be the cookies and cream. And I will vouch for, for Built Bar because they give us free Built Bars, and I still go buy Built Bars at BuiltBar.com. And use promo code LOCKEDON, get 20% off your next order. We are back on the Locked on Thunder podcast, the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. I want to let you know right now that Locked on Bets is up and running. Betting on the NBA, betting on the Thunder doesn't have to be a guessing game if you're listening to the new Locked on Bets podcast hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks and quick hitting advice to make your smartest possible wagers, subscribe to Locked on Bets podcast brought to you by betonline.ag wherever you get your podcast. So I want to jump right into 
Shea, and we can we can start with Shea because he's going to be the focal point of a lot of the conversation this year as he tries to become this team's long-term point guard. And I will say he looked very comfortable again in that point guard role. And you can see Chris Paul's influence on him already through just two preseason games, getting fouled on that jump shot. You could just see little flashes of Chris Paul's game within Shea. And he had some great vision, you know, great vision passes and great vision moments in that first quarter, especially. Uh, he did have one airmail pass where he, he kind of drew the defense in and then immediately kicked it out, and it was kind of predictable to where I believe it was Zach Levine jumped the passing lane and, and got the uh, steal. But all in all, it was a really good game from him, and, and he attacked the rim very well. The way that he drives and kicks is going to be just hard, hard, hard for other defenses to defend. And the way he finishes this year has been awesome so far. He had a quick 11 points in that first quarter. He was on fire in that first frame. Obviously, he didn't get to play the full game. I mean, it's only preseason, so he finishes with just 12 points. But he only had the one turnover as the lead guard. And again, he still only played like 18 minutes, but but it was still good to see him out there and to see him managing his turnovers and things like that. Uh, I will say that he looked on his shooting. I'm not going to act like a jump shot expert. I shot like Sean Marion uh, whenever I play basketball, but... His, his shot looked a lot quicker, a lot smoother even, and so I think that that's a really good sign for him. Baisley's shot looked very, very good as well, and his defense was really improved the way that he said it was. He told us in the media uh, during one of his uh, availabilities that he wanted more of an opportunity defensively. He, he wanted more challenges. He wanted to be a part of that group where Mark can look down the bench and say, okay, I want Baisley to go take on one of their top scoring options. Obviously, Lou Dort is going to get the, the top of the top scoring option, but Baisley wants to be in that mix as well. And, and you can tell that he really focused on that side of the basketball, that side of the floor uh, on, on Wednesday because he came in first game since the bubble, did not play Saturday, obviously, and he was in shape. He was ready to go. He was moving his feet incredibly well defensively. Even on, on some possessions where someone scored over him, he was right there. He was making the smart play. He didn't foul. He, he was doing everything you possibly could. The guy just scored, and that's going to happen sometimes. But Basley's defense was, was uh, underrated, I think, in his rookie year, but it has even improved so far through one game for him. And again, the, the conditioning part of it, Mark talked about how, you know, Paisley and Dort and Horford, those guys that didn't play, that he really tried to play them for for long stretches and really tried to tried to get them gassed and tried to try to drain them out of energy in that first quarter, second quarter, you know, playing them for those long stretches. And, and Baisley and Dort and Horford stood up to the test. I mean, I was really surprised with how with how well conditioned they were for their first game back. I mean, th- there was there was really no drop off from them. It was really good to see. Baisley was also very aggressive offensively, and that's what you love. He had seven points at the two-minute mark in that first quarter. He was awesome offensively. He was finishing strong at the rim, finishing through contact, finishing over people. He was just straight-up spot-up shooting over people. He was catching and shooting well still. Baisley was really good. I mean, he could do no wrong in that first half, and that's going a long way. I I think that... If you remember our five bold predictions, we talked about Shea being a 25-point-per-game scorer. We talked about Baisley being the second-leading scorer on this team. And we talked about Al Horford getting himself enough value this season to be worth a first-round pick next offseason. And Al Horford, I want to almost sharpie that into being 
legitimate because Al Horford was awesome. A great floor spacer on offense. Even had some offense running through him, you know, pick and rolls, pick and pops, but also some some screens and some handoffs and things like that. Al Horford just fit right in and fit like a glove onto this team. He had 15 points at the half, including an amazing uh, buzzer beater where he sets the screen, pops out, Shade drives in, kicks it out to him for the three at the end of the quarter. Uh, he was just awesome. Al Horford was. And we're seeing why this is a much better fit for him to be able to play natural center and to be able not to play alongside Joel Embiid. And we're already seeing him improve himself. And you hear the way that these guys are talking about him off the floor to where this feels so similar to the Chris Paul scenario. But but Al Horford was awesome. And you can't take too much away from this. They only played a half of basketball. The starters did. But still, Al Horford was awesome. Now I want to get into some of the fringe players and talk more in depth about you know, what was happening around the, the margins, like Justin Jackson. Justin Jackson, I think, had a good and a bad game, right? It's so weird to say. But in the first half, as a starter, he was very aggressive. He, he was shooting. He was driving. He was, he was doing so without hesitation. I mean, he almost was, was shooting too much, which was a problem he had in Dallas, where he was very hesitant and, you know, even whenever you had open threes, he'd pass them up. And then that would, of course, cause some some issues for your offense if you're passing up open threes. So on one hand, you're happy that he now has this newfound confidence. And you're happy that he's now aggressive. But, of course, when the shots aren't falling, then it isn't, it isn't, it's not going to look good. But not only were the open threes not falling, he was just kind of driving into the paint and just kind of tossing up layups and stuff. And, again, the confidence is good, but... Justin Jackson is not the guy I want doing that, you know, uh, but still all in all, I'd still consider this a, su- a successful night from Ju- Justin Jackson, just because he was able to show some aggressiveness and not hesitate. And I think that all in all, when everything comes out in the wash, if Justin Jackson is not a hesitant shooter, he's going to be at least the league average, probably an above league average three point shooter. And so that's going to be a good addition to this team in some capacity. Hamidou Diallo was the first player off the bench, and he had an awful night. He was, we got bad Hamidou Diallo. I mean, every night, it's a, it's a it's a mystery which Hamidou Diallo you're going to get. I mean, that's part of the fun of Hamidou Diallo, is that you could get a really, really good hammy one night, and then you could get a really, really bad one the next night. Uh, but this was a bad one. He played out of control. Uh, he played super aggressive. Uh, he, he was, he was not good <laughs> on Wednesday. You could tell that he was trying too hard to, to prove something. Uh, you could tell he was trying too hard to make an impression, and it just kind of all piled on him, right? One mistake led to another, but him to yellow just need, whenever he plays under control, I like him, but again, whenever you don't play under control, things are not going to go your way. But he was the first sub off the bench. Uh, Poku and Maladon and Roby also got first quarter minutes. Isaiah Roby, of course, on his way to 22 minutes, but Poku and Maladon Playing in that first quarter, getting that first rotation was awesome. Uh, but Poku's defense obviously needs some work. I, I don't think that anyone uh, would have said otherwise, even even before he was drafted. He, he needs to work on his defense with that frame, uh, you know, and, and with that kind of tweener on defense. You know, what kind of position do you put him at? Because he's going to get bullied by big men, but he's probably going to get blown off the dribble by guards. You know, you just kind of don't know where to put him defensively. Uh, so obviously, it needs work. But but all in all, I think this was a really good Poku night. And Mark Dignot says that. You know, even though he didn't have as many points as he did on Saturday, that Mark thinks this was this was a much better game. Mark thinks that Poku played a much, much, much better game than he did on Saturday. 
but I, I thought that that Poku was still shooting at will. He still looked comfortable on the floor. We talked about in the in the preview. What does his confidence look like after he shot at will? On Saturday, did someone get in his ear saying, hey, calm down a little bit? But it doesn't seem so. It seems like Poku was playing very, very well. And and Poku did something that a lot of the big men did, and that, that continues to be a trend in Oklahoma City that I want to get to coming up. We are back on the Locked On Thunder podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Stiles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Stiles. This is the only daily podcast about the Oklahoma City Thunder. I do want to tell you right now to head on over to Locked On NBA. The Locked On NBA podcast is getting you ready for the start of the regular season with a very special week of team preview podcasts all week long, division by division, plus waiver wire additions from Locked On Fantasy Basketball and rookies to watch from draft guru Chad Ford the absolute best draft mind in the world, Chad Ford. I know this offseason was super crazy and that there were so many moving parts. So if you're just coming back now for the start of the season, go head on over and listen to this week's episode of Locked on NBA. It's a daily NBA show nationally. Uh, go listen to them and they'll get you set. They'll, they'll let you know who's on what team, uh, who's going to be good, who's going to be bad. Go check them out, Locked on NBA podcast, and then follow them the entire rest of the way. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts from. So Poku, whenever we're talking about his game. Obviously, the defense needs work. Obviously, he's not scores many points, but again, he still played an all in all really good game. And, and you saw a few possessions where he showed such immense vision and such great passing ability. And you really saw why, why people always were saying that he is a guard in a big man's body. But, but he had a really good game, I think. But what stood out to me the most is that every single time that he got a rebound, he pushed it immediately. He didn't look for a guard. He brought it up the, up the floor. He brought it past the timeline. He set up the offense, and then maybe then at that point he'd give it to a guard. But most of the time, he set up the offense, and he, and he orchestrated the offense after a rebound. And that's the type of thing that Mark has praised about Poku and about every big man. He wants that versatility. He wants that to happen. He wants us to be set where – Anyone who gets a rebound can run the floor. And whenever you have Poku and Darius Baisley, especially, who I think that they both have, you know, upper echelon playmaking ability, that's going to be very easy for your team. So that being a point of emphasis throughout training camp and then it actually coming to light on Saturday and on Wednesday was good to see that they're actually implementing and doing what their goals were before the games started. Teo Maldon, again, was amazing. Maldon had a, a, an amazing Saturday, but even better on Wednesday, even though the points dipped to 11, and he had the two steals, he had the two assists, he had the four rebounds, he had 40% shooting from beyond the arc. A couple of those three balls were just chef's kiss. I mean, his shot is so smooth. He, he just looks so confident shooting the basketball. Had a three-pointer taken away from, from an Isaiah Roby charge, but still... Tail Maldon's the real deal. Tail Maldon is really special. And you truly got a first-round talent in the second round. Now, is he ever going to be a, a great starter in this league? He could. He, he very well could. But when you're starting point, when the, when the place that you're starting your NBA career is someone who I think can absolutely, from day one, run your backup point guard position and run your backup offense and be in control of of your team whenever Shea leaves the floor, if that's your starting point, you're in line, I think, for a really healthy NBA career, for a really good NBA career. But Teo Maldon's been so amazing to watch, and he got 30 minutes on on Wednesday, played really well. 
So I, I do want to mention the lack of minutes for TJ Leaf. He got no minutes. Uh, Admiral Schofield only got 10 minutes. How will this change my roster prediction 4.0 on tomorrow's show? I'm not sure, but it was interesting. I think that TJ Leaf's no minutes was more so due to him being on the roster officially. I don't see a, a way that they do cut TJ Leaf. I think that TJ Leaf is on this roster. So I think that they kind of looked at that and said, well, let's get Moses Brown, you know, nine minutes. Let's get let's get some of these other guys into this game and, and let's see the young guys because we know that we want to keep TJ Leaf. He did nothing to lose a spot on Saturday, and then he didn't play on Wednesday. So that's just my prediction, but that's where I have the assessment on TJ Leaf's no minutes and and People were rightly concerned about that. Why didn't he get any minutes in the preseason? I think it's because he has a roster spot. Now, I do want to talk about the Andrew Wiggins of the game. If you didn't know the Andrew Wiggins of the game is the player who had the best game out of nowhere. And and, and so Kobe White with 27 points in the preseason game, uh, he, of course, has immense talent, but he did not get to show it under Boylan. And you're seeing him thrive more and more under Billy Donovan, but 27 points was awesome. And and it was coming to him so naturally that it truly, honestly did not feel like he had 27. Like I knew he was having a good game sitting in the arena, but until I saw the box score of 27, I did not realize how much he was truly scoring because he was just natural. He was just that smooth. It was really impressive to watch him. Let's get into the MVP of the game. right now you're the real MVP I think that Frank Jackson has to be the MVP of this contest for the Oklahoma City Thunder there is you know a lot of other candidates you know Poku Maldon Baisley Shea but I think that Frank Jackson showed once again in his 20 minutes that he can really be a microwave score off the bench for you I mean 15 points on 75% from three 66% from the floor he showed that he can really impress you a lot off that bench, and whenever you need a, a scoring spark, he can provide it. And this team, by no means, will be a historic offense. So they're going to have moments in time where their offense is slipping and that they need a lot of guys to step up and carry that scoring load. And Frank Jackson off the bench can do that. I'll be honest with you, when the signing was first first made, I didn't think much of him. I thought that he was maybe going to be a training camp body. We, at that time, did not know the contract details. But you're seeing in these first two games why Sam Presti liked him so much in his draft class. He's played very well. He's scored very efficiently. Is he going to be a lead guard? No, I don't think he has that kind of ability. But he does have that ability to just go out there and score buckets. And, and so that's something that you need for your second unit. Circling back for one last observation on Teo Maldon, his defense really stood out. Just being in the arena and being able to just watch him only on defense, what he's able to do defensively is not going to rank up there with Lou Dort. Obviously, he would not make that kind of impact. But his ability to stay in front without fouling, his ability to, to, to keep track with NBA caliber athletes is impressive whenever the big knock on him coming into the draft was his lack of athleticism, but his ability to stay in front of elite level athletes. I mean, Kobe White's really fast. Zach Levine's an elite level athlete. Being able to stay in front of those type of players in the NBA has been impressive so far for him. And that's a low bar. I know just staying in front of guys, but again, the big knock on him was just his lack of athleticism and to, to display that defensively was good to see, but that's how we're going to conclude the preseason game to recap pod, the 2011 Thunder can start popping champagne like the 1972 Dolphins. They remain the only team in franchise history to have an undefeated preseason. 
Be sure to check back tomorrow as we go through and preview the second Bulls game, the third preseason game overall, and we're going to do roster projection 4.0 ahead of what should be Saturday's cut-down date for this Thunder roster. Next week, we're going to have NBA season previews. We're going to have Thunder season previews with great guests. We're going to have it all next week. So be, be sure to subscribe to Locked on Thunder wherever you get your podcast from. It is the only podcast every single day about the Oklahoma City Thunder. Follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at L-O Thunderpod. You can email the show, L-O Thunderpod at gmail.com. And you can call into the show, 405-362-7128. Be good and be good to one another. We'll see you next time on Locked on Thunder.